Okay, so hello everyone. This is Steph and Cass from yeah. Flycast. Cass, do you want to tell us where you're recording from? Uh, sure, absolutely. I am currently sitting in my closet in my bedroom. So, uh, I'm recording from uh, what we call in the daytime the nook and what we call in the nighttime the cocktail lounge. So, Cassandra, you know, uh, what's been going on with you these days? I hear it's it's snowing over in Montana. Is that it correct? Is. It is snowing. Actually, it's been a classic Montana situation. Uh, we had sun, we had lightning, we had rain, and now we have snow. I guess we should specify I'm currently in Montana. And I'm currently in Massachusetts. So, you know. A little uh, opposites attract over here. Literally, yeah. Uh, what kind of what kind of wine are you drinking? I'm drinking the Jean Pascal Lacaz. It's a Cab Sam from 2018, and I will say that if we ever get sponsors, I hope we get sponsored by NakedWines.com because that's where I get all my wines, and it's delightful. I am drinking a. <laughs> Uh, lukewarm, uh, blueberry truly. Uh, I have a couple more on deck. I'm pretty excited about. Uh, so, so why are we here today, Cassandra? What are we doing here? Um, what we're trying to do is talk to some interesting folks about outdoor life, primarily fly fishing, but we'll see where it takes us. Both of us have met some fantastic people over the years, and we just really would like to get their story and share their story. We're looking to dive into some uncharted waters for both of us, really get into oh. some topics that we don't know anything about. Uh, Pretty much. Ask some yeah, people. big disclaimer. Big disclaimer. Don't know what I'm talking about whatsoever, but I love to talk. So. Yeah, we don't have any survival anyway. advice for you. I don't know. No. Bring a rain jacket. That's That's what I do sometimes uh maybe some sunscreen so today on our first our very first episode we have someone that's very near and dear to both of our hearts he is a beard aficionado he is a uh, a sailor and a seaman an advanced fly fisherman as well i'd like to introduce someone who just purchased their first roof racks for his RAV4, uh, Dan Buckley. Hey, thanks for having okay. me on. The roof racks are uh, deluxe, so gotta have good roof racks if you want to find the fish. Have you been Have you been coping with the with the quarantine, Daniel? Yeah, I mean, we've had it pretty good, or I've had it pretty good. You know, I've been going fishing the past few days, which has been a nice little stress reliever, getting away from people, keeping my six feet. So, get some salt water. Tonight, did some fresh water the day before, so get a nice little mix. I hear you've also been working on your double haul. Yeah, I will say the uh, the advanced fly fisherman might be a bit of an overstatement, considering I was watching videos on how to double haul and definitely didn't know anything about it, and that's pretty intermediate. But but yeah, I caught my first two fish tonight, both on double haul casts that I wouldn't have been able to reach a week ago. So congrats! And what what type of fish were they? They were uh, striped bass out in this uh, little tidal river 
you know, been fishing with a bunch of people in saltwater, I've always wondered why they do all these goofy, like looking backwards at their back cast and moving their other hand around, and all this other shit that I never did because I was just wiggling my one hand. You know, it works out. It turns out it really helps. You know, definitely added some distance, made it easier on my casting arm, using my other hand for, for something. And uh, yeah, got into some stripers tonight. Had a nice uh, black clouser on because it was pretty dark out and raining but the the rain didn't seem to stop the fish so yeah first fish of the year was probably at least 18 inches so it's a good start awesome so is a striper so stripers is saltwater fish yeah they are and they migrate they're from the atlantic there's just some on the pacific and they migrate so right now it's mostly the smaller ones they go up north to like maine or southern canada and then they winter in maryland and virginia and north carolina so you kind of got to hit them like they're good in the spring and around may june and then they kind of disappear for the summer and then september through november they're also pretty good so got to get them while they're here and there's really nothing else at least in cape cod there's really not that much else to catch in salt water aside from those it's all all the other fish are just not good for fly fishing so you're kind of you know Shit out of luck for the summer, but I seem to recall an incident with you and uh, a bluefish or two. Yeah, when the water's warm, the bluefish move in and they call me uh, the blue eyed devils. But yeah, I had this little dollar bill one on in front of a nice seafood restaurant. I was like, oh, I don't need to worry about this. So I reached in its mouth, damn thing bit my finger, flailing it around, blood everywhere. The restaurant was laughing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. thought I lost a little bit of my finger but luckily it was only like five inches long so it couldn't quite bite my finger off you know eventually flung it away but but yeah that was a solid like 10 seconds of it just clamped on my hand so mm-hmm. if that was anything more than a dollar bill size I would have been you know I'd be nine fingers right now I'd be John Tester but I'm not so I think John Tester only has eight fingers I think he has oh, yeah, he's missing two but he's like a half fingers he's like eight and a half maybe but, yeah. okay okay You're speaking of John Tester, who is uh, a congressman from Montana. Is that right? He's a senator from Montana. Senator, yeah. Yeah, he um, called Uh, the NPR from his tractor. Yeah, we all know him personally, of course. Uh, So we can speak to this. (laughs) I've seen Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, so I I do know him personally. But (laughs) Now that we've uh, talked a little bit about your fishing prowess, tell us a little bit more about your, your striper fishing, like, how how did you figure out how to fish for stripers and where do you like fishing for them also uh, i guess you know back in the day and he'd always you know take me in the backyard and show me how to cast and everything like oh you know like you know flattered me saying that was a good cast and when really it wasn't and all that but um and try to get me to go fly fishing with him and i was always just like oh like you know i'll stick to regular like conventional fishing and spin casting and all that stuff and then I know. Then I met a certain person at a bar and then she was really into fly fishing. I'm like, oh, maybe he was onto something. And then, you know, I started fishing with him and it turns out he catches like a thousand fish a year. He fishes 150 days and he was a great guy. Mm-hmm. And whenever I go with him, I probably get 20% of the fish I get when I, when I, whenever I don't go with him, I probably get 20% of what I get when I do go with him. So he's been a thousand fish a year since the nineties. So he's definitely like a really good resource for you know, everywhere to go, what tide, what time of year, you know, a lot of trial and error, but I've kind of learned that all my trial and error is pretty useless. So now I just kind of listen to him and take his advice. But yeah, and I tend to from fishing more freshwater, I kind of like the more like tidal rivers because I can you can fish them more like a river and the current's understandable, aside from it switching every 12, six hours. 
sure. becoming completely opposite, but that, that's more intuitive. I think the best thing he ever told me was to walk a plate, walk a site at low tide. So you know all the, the features and everything. Mm-hmm. And then when it fills up and there's current, you know, like, oh, there's a, a sandbar over here. There's like a trowel over here. Or, um, you know, like the water's going to be covering around this corner and you can cast into that. Cause it's all about the, you know, the, where they can sit in low current and have the food moving past them and then dart out into the current to get it. So, well, yeah, sure. I mean, so that's been. I think, I think it's really, uh, it's really important or really helpful at least to have a mentor, especially in, I mean, any outdoor sport, but I, I found that, especially with fly fishing, to find someone that like really knows what's going on that sort of inspires you. That really helps. I mean, definitely with all three of us, I can attest to the fact that we've had some really good mentors in the fly fishing space. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, not, not to mention, you know, Dan, your uncle, uh, Cassandra, your dad, uh, Orvis guide of the year, Chuck Page, if Ooh. I, if I may. <laughs> <laughs> and then for me, everyone at, uh, the big hole lodge where I work. Um, so, you know, having, having people that you can reach out to, you know, for any little question and people that you can actually go fishing with, cause it's very intimidating, I think, to go oh, by yeah. yourself and have absolutely no idea what you're doing, uh, and fumble around for hours on end. I think it's very good to have someone you can go with. Yeah. It's even more fun. Little, little things you pick up too, like from, from fish Montana, we don't end the river bridge and access the rivers. Um, like from the bridge, that's the public land in between all the private land. And like I was mm-hmm. fishing today and bought where I caught my best fish was I accessed via walking next to a bridge, and like going down this embankment. And then I went to a spot that didn't have the bridge that was just, you know, accessible by train tracks. And there was eight other people fishing it. So mm-hmm. like, I, I feel like mm-hmm. little, little things you pick up like that, that you might not. Like, I would have never thought of that unless I've been in Montana where you, like, search for the bridges. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like, before I lived in Montana, I would just always go to the part that you could see from the train tracks. And I would fish that all the time. And that's far and away the worst part of the coastal river. So, yeah. yeah. So what are what are some of your uh, fishing plans and goals for this summer? What are, what are, you, what are you looking to do? Well, I will say with this uh, quarantine happening and not having to be in an office and trying to fish a lot more weekdays, normally I wouldn't even be fishing right now in early May because it's still pretty cold out and, you know, raining a lot and everything. But the fishing's been great. This is a time, like, I've never fished this early in the year before around here. If I have, it's been, you know, like one or two days waiting until it gets warm. So just fishing times and locations that I couldn't when I had to, you know, be in the office all the time, I didn't have the flexibility. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there a lot of like, people, are there a lot of people out right now? Like, is it busy or? Um, I mean, the place I was going just coincidentally near where is really good or warmer water. So it's good in like the early part of the spring run and the late part of the fall run. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of when like only a little fish are around or it just interchange quicker than other areas. Uh, sorry, but the run, can you, can you just look for our viewers that might not be as savvy with the striper, uh, sure, you know, yeah, our, so, landlocked, so the, our landlocked, our landlocked individuals. And um, the ones that are arrive first are the small ones. So, like when you're fishing initially, if we were fishing the whole time, you catch like the little six inch fish and they gradually get bigger and bigger and bigger and also more sparse. Because uh, they're, they're migrating up. They're migrating. And also just like the fish that you can catch with a fly rod are the small ones. So when it comes to like the time of year when the big ones are around, you can't really catch them anyway because they're, you know. I mean, out. the fish that we can catch. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the fish that we can catch the fly rod, yeah. <laughs> Unless you have a, a boat and you know what you're doing. I have one of those, not the other. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of what were what were we talking about a second ago. <laughs> Who? Uh, beyond me, yeah. I don't know. Did we establish? Uh, did we establish where Dan is right now? Did we say 
Stanton, Massachusetts. Yeah, let's let's um let's get specific about addresses right off the bat. Yeah, let's that's just true. List that's addresses. No, but I agree though. It wasn't um yeah. So I'm in Cape Cod right now, mm-hmm, kind of okay. close to the Cape Cod Canal, which is um a lot of in Buzzards Bay, which is a it's a shallower, warmer bay. So that's kind of thing where the water heats up quicker. So right now the water temps are pretty cold. I mean, even the water in Buzzards Bay is still in the 40s. Right. But, but it's probably five or six degrees warmer than the actual ocean. And the Cape Cod, actually, the, the Gulf Stream pushes out towards Europe on the southern side versus the northern side. So even if you drive 30 minutes from the southern side to the northern side, the water temp will change by 10 degrees. You have um, different waters on either side. So anyway, it's all about the water temperature. And right now, this place heats up first. So that's why the fishing's good. Buzzards right? Bay does? Buzzards Bay, yeah. Buzzards Bay and the smaller bays that are shallow. Look, those are all cooking in the sun. They're getting warmer. The fish like that. But then once you get towards June, July, August, especially, like those are way too hot for the fish. They're empty. So like right now is the time, you know, the a really good time to fish Buzzards Bay. And then. So did you did you learn all of this information trial and error, or did you learn it from your mentor? Like, how did you figure out? Is it a mixture of both? Books, resources, like. Yeah, I, I did read the LLB um, had a pretty good book on it. Ooh, shout out to L.O. Bean, folks. Yeah, little little chirp yeah. of L.O. Bean right there. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, um, you know the name. Yeah, so they, they had a good book um, just about the whole migration and everything. And um, they actually have maps online, too. They show, like, where the the migration's going and, like, what size fish are in what areas. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So right now, and, and yeah, and also, like, it's kind of time, like, Cheeky has their schoolie tournament in May, which is when Cheeky? Cheeky Fly Fishing, which is a a real company that kind of do like uh, more decorative, fun reels for younger people, I guess. And they have the largest fly fishing tournament in the world. Anyway, but that's in Cape Cod in May, and they call it the Schoolie Tournament. So Wait, Schoolie Fish. They have the largest fly fishing tournament in the world. That we said true. Yeah, that's, that's and where because where else? I mean, because you, you do the whole. It's all of Cape Cod for a day, so you're probably fishing. 300 miles of coastline like if you do that on a river or any other body of water you couldn't by number of people i mean it's not um yeah it is the world's largest fly fishing only we joined it last yeah fly fishing only but yeah i mean you kind of need like a an area like that where you can drive to that much coastline to do that so Mm -hmm. sorry i have to charge i have to get a charger (laughs) um well if you get the charger i think that we should coordinate beverages okay you know what i'm saying i just think that would be i like think we should have i think we should each closer. have six red bulls before we do this oh so we're really <laughs> we're yeah. firing mm-hmm. on all every make, cylinder make that last red bull a red bull vodka just to you know make the last then, three then, red bull vodkas and then here's your here. um okay so you're like a you're a pretty avid fly fisherman i would say um, but you also do some sailing. Can you, here's a question. QQ, uh, can you fly fish from a sailboat? So I, I would say the things that sailing likes and what fly, what makes a good sailing day and what makes a good fly fishing day are exact opposites. So it actually works out pretty great for me because it's windy. I sail if there's no wind, I fly fish. But, okay. Uh, but yeah, so exclusively I mean, wasp activities. No, but <laughs> well, kind. Of. I mean, 
tell that to Rudy and Blaine and all the people in Montana, but nothing but wasps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cassandra's whole family is so waspy, you know? That's what I'm constantly That's what our saying. Dad is there. Just wasps. <laughs> yeah. All the wasps thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it's <laughs> it's very complimentary. I obviously like stopping a sailboat. Yeah, controlling a sailboat and sailing it slow isn't exactly easy. So I can't say they're that good for fly fishing. But yeah, that's why I got the kayak racks on. So I upgraded. So you know, this is something I've always wanted to know about you. How 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 did you get involved with sailing? Like what? <laughs> and how did you acquire a sailboat? Like what is uh, the deal? The deal? Um, Tell me. My dad got a a sunfish way back in the day when he was like twenty. Who's he watching? Probably. Well, so a sunfish is a very inner, like beginner boat. You sit with your feet in a little well, and then otherwise you're just sitting on the side of the boat. It's like 14 feet long. They tip right. really easy. They're good for beginners. They have one sail. So, yeah, so he had that. They're good for beginners, but they tip really easily. Yeah, I don't well, know. About yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is that you tip it, and then it just you can pop it back over. It's small enough where you can write it. There's one sail. There's not two sails. There's really just one line. You hold the rudder, and then you have the main sheet. You pull to adjust the sail. The sail's pretty high. It's not going to hit you in the head. Yeah, but yeah, but he had he when he was in his 20s and the 70s, him and his brother bought a sailboat from the 1950s, and yeah, he grew up sailing that as a kid. It was from the 50s, so it weighed 100 pounds and would fill up with water. By the time you're done, it would be like sailing way lower. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, yeah. And then in college, I had a friend, he's a, his family owns a summer camp in New Hampshire and he's a sailboat. He's a light, he has his captain's license. He taught sailing lessons at the uh, summer camp all the time. And, and yeah, so we'll just do vacations. We'll rent a sailboat. And he, you know, if you have someone who can captain it and we can rent these boats, it's pretty cheap. And we'll just have like 14 people all pile on a boat. We'll eat like tuna fish, hot sauce, on hot dog buns for a week while we're driving on our mega yacht that looks fancy but really it's just like a frat house on wheels it's disgusting and you know i love that i that i love that i love when i love the things that people will come up with to eat in like weird situations like that like when you're on a on the boat when you're out in the middle of nowhere flat fishing etc like just the weird things it's funny yeah. because like what people are left up to, like you and I left cast left up to our own devices. We're like drunk after a night out, and we're like, let's make a quick mushroom risotto. But like, and bring it on, on the boat. Bring it. We'll just make a quick risotto. Um, <laughs> but like other people are like, how about some ketchup? a ketchup mayonnaise and pickles and sandwich. this white bread <laughs> yeah that's suitable for me but think about your float so like say you're doing a float down like the yellowstone or whatever how you eat the first day is not how you eat the last day well actually you oh, can, maybe not but. i mean yeah it's I mushroom risotto and then i uh <laughs> i feel like i feel like i eat well on all of these trips I always do. I mean, I always like, even if it's like, uh, like if, even if I'm just like wade fishing for like half a day, I always bring like some sort of meal and it's never just like a sandwich. Or, like, yeah. Well, you, when you sausage. and I go floating, we bring 16 bags of chips. One bag of chips. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. 45 bags of chips, at least. And we have to open all of them and finish none. Um, that's a requirement. Yeah, but you actually yeah. plan it. So we just buy a bunch of groceries in the beginning and hope it works out. No, no then, we like, don't. Yeah, you're no like, all there. we have left is like mustard, hot sauce, hot dog buns, and tuna. And you're like, well. Well, that's completely on the toilet. Well, and, I would uh, never put myself in that too. position. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, I'm just always interested in what people are eating. Apparently. Yeah, what what is like the strangest? What's the strangest meal that you guys have all had on the boat? Um, on one of your sailing trips, we bought a five kilogram tub of Euro cream last sailing trip. Now, what's, uh, what's Euro cream? Excuse me. No, Euro cream is the people. Um, Nutella. But like Nutella is like the upscale Euro cream. So Euro cream is like the no hazelnuts, no. I don't even know what's in it. It's like everything non-authentic. It's generic Nutella. Is that the brand? It's just it's like cheap Nutella. Like Nutella has whatever nut in it that destroys the rainforest, and like Euro cream can't afford that. And you just get in these giant tubs. We'll do like. So are you saying that Euro cream is sneakily? eco yeah in its own way you know helps your wallet helps the planet yeah and we'll do okay. uh, euro cream and peanut butter sandwich and it's also just entertaining too to have a giant tub of euro cream around but like what sure. did you do just like spoon like spoon it like what it like not pedal it but like yeah. did you just like take a spoon and eat it what had well, you i mean like normally you like oh. slop it on a piece of white bread because for some reason oh, everyone sure. loves buying white bread on those trips but did you have enough white bread to finish that much Euro cream? No, we had like a gallon of Euro cream left over last time. <laughs> and then what happened with it? What'd you do? We normally give it to the people on the dock because there's people who clean the boat and everything. We just like give them our food and they're happy. You know, they probably made their kids Euro cream sandwiches. Oh, probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah. yeah. They're like, we don't have to make school lunches for the rest of our lives. That story I probably have though is um was one night we went out to the bars and we just kind of threw like a hot dog on a fishing line in the water in the British Virgin Islands and we came back and the rods like you know bent sideways and like the fish is just fighting it but the rods in a rod holder so we reel it up and it's like 3 a.m. and it's this like pretty big fish and we have no idea what it is so we start to we try to fillet it and we're like oh we should wait till the morning morning comes we're filleting it and this guy comes over on this little raft and it's like him and his kid and they're selling us uh i think it was like mangoes or some type of some type of fruit like that but yeah, but yeah and he's like you're not going to eat that right and we're like actively filleting it and throwing the girl like oh like yeah do you want some he's like you know that's poisonous right and it was a <laughs> and it was a horse eye jack and apparently if you eat enough of it it like reverses your senses so like hot can feel cold and like all these it just like fucks with your central nervous systems it's the the reefs there it's like the magnification of all the toxins in the coral reefs this is like the apex fish in that reef so it just gets all the toxins from it anyway it's a horrible like life ruining fish to eat and we were like about to eat it and this guy just like paddles up and tries to sell us mangoes and like saves us so it was great wait what was it called a horse eye jack I mean, you eat a lot of it. So, like, if we split it within twelve people, we've been fine. But, but yeah, they're they're That's like a huge, 
and the funny thing is so we actually rented a fishing rod and stuff and when we're returning it we look on the tackle box and there's a big like red circle with a line through it like the no symbol and there's just a horse-eyed jack with like no on top of the tackle box and we just like didn't look at that at all <laughs> huh but like it couldn't have been more like do not eat this fish on, right. when they rented us the equipment they're like yeah do whatever you want just like don't eat this one fish and we were like oh wait a minute <laughs> it reverses your sense like permanently reverses your senses yeah, I mean, if you eat enough of it over a long enough period of time is it like mercury poisoning what is it it's from the coral reefs i don't know like little fish eat the coral it eats little fish and it just accumulates in the big fish i don't I have to look up. What is that called? Bioaccumulation? I can't remember. Biomagnification or accumulation. Yeah, some of those lines. But yeah. I don't yeah. Know. We need a fact checker. We need a we yeah. need to hire a fact checker. Fact checker. Yeah. Right yeah. This is how I can tell that I believe in this podcast because I just learned so much. And that's extremely fascinating. I just learned so much. And I live yeah, with Dan. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> Quiet. We actually third wall. <laughs> That's great. Wow. But um. But yeah. So thankfully, that guy was selling mangoes when he did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so so far, we've learned is <laughs> listen to your uncles. One. I know we none of us want to. None of us want to listen to our uncles. We always are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah, no one wants to listen to them. But sometimes they have good advice. Is it like, I mean, news to me. Usually they have good advice. I mean, sometimes they don't. I mean, yeah. Very true. We, but, won't, we won't speak to that. Dig, let's not dig yet. Let's not dig into no, that yet. We'll save that for another day. Uh, always listen to people who are selling mangoes is another oh, yeah. tip <laughs> that we've learned, right? Yeah, especially like if you think they're pirates trying to board your boat, but really they're trying to sell you mangoes, like give them more credit, you know? So, yeah, as I understand it, Dan, one of your, uh, an irrational fear of yours is pirates on these trips. Is that, is that correct? And, and how did that, how did that come up, come about? I would say pirates are the equivalent of like a bear. Or like a mountain lion in Montana. Like they're not, you're not actually going to get attacked by them, but you're just so out in the middle of nowhere and no one can possibly help you that you just start thinking like, what if someone pulls Worst up case the scenario. All right. But like in my mind, I would say like a Jaws scenario is more akin to a bear or a mountain lion than, than piratry. <laughs> than, than piracy? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Privateering? So... <laughs> Like, even if someone wants to help you, like, when you're, like, one of my sales made from Florida to the Bahamas, which is, like, 100 miles. If someone, say you're 50 miles out, like, the fastest boat can go is, like, 30 miles an hour. So if someone wants to help you, they're an hour and a half. So, like, by then, like, you know, hypothetical pirates come, and you call the Coast Guard or whatever, and there's still an hour and a half to save you. So, like, who knows what's going to happen? And it's kind of like, you're, like, out in the woods, you know? Like, no one's going to help you for a long time. And like, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, and they might they might be looking for Euro cream. Yeah. And they're like, these Ooh. people might have a five kilo tub of Euro cream. You know? mm-hmm. Right. Except, uh, and that just makes you a sitting duck in my mind. I would also say too, except like when you're in the woods, you're like kind of like discreet when you're sailing, you're like, I have a giant sail, with, like a huge mass and like everyone can see me. 
Okay. Yeah, but like when you're out in the middle of absolute nowhere wilderness, I mean, you don't have to have a massive sale to be an attraction. Literally, all you have to do is have a smell. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was under the impression that the ocean was quite vast. How are people finding each other? Like, I don't really understand how that works. There's boats that, like, I don't know. Like, we were, when we went to Florida, or from Florida to the Bahamas, I would always sail at night because I thought it was fun or whatever, and I'd sleep during the day a little bit. But anyway, but yeah, there'd be a time, like, there was one time where everyone was asleep in the boat, and there was no winds. So we were just on the motor, and it's these little, like, 30-horsepower diesel motors for a big boat, mm-hmm. and we were, like, lazy, so we had it cranked up. And we're going, and there's, like, you, you see the radar, so you can, a large dot coming at you this way, and you're going this way, like, perpendicular to it, and you're like, oh, like, I can go fast enough to get by it. And, you know, there's these, like, huge, like, container ships, with are, like, hundreds of feet tall, all that. Anyway saying stuff to you on the radio and gibberish and like whatever i'm just gonna keep going and we were going and everyone's asleep so it's like me and my friend on top and we're just like listening to music and like hanging out and like the engine overheats and we're like right in the path of this like dot that's moving towards us Ooh. and then like mm-hmm. it just keeps like getting closer and closer and closer and like eventually like luckily the engine just like turned back on when you know that's a lot of people know but like you we were within sight of like this giant like hyundai asian tanker ship that like can't turn or stop that was like clearly going like right in our path so but they didn't know they almost got hit by a tanker ship in their sleep so it's great wow that is crazy <laughs> that what did you do about the engine overheating just waited we were just sitting well we kept trying to turn on it like wouldn't turn on it was beeping and stuff and we're just like well fuck we can't really like do anything right now so we're just kind of like bobbing around in the middle of the ocean and you see this like dot coming closer and eventually you can like see the dot and you're like oh fuck i can see it it's like 20 miles away wow and yeah but yeah somehow in all that space we like happened to cross paths that's very interesting because i don't know i i was just under the assumption that like once you're out in the middle of the ocean like that you're pretty much home free right but i guess not yeah, I don't know. I mean, the crazy thing, too, is when you're, like, you point in one direction, and the current's just, like, like, say you're aiming, like, due south, the current's taking you really hard south. It, it was just really interesting. Like, you put the autopilot to one direction, and it couldn't even, like, keep you on that path, because they're all, like, the Gulf Stream, just, like, originally in there, and, like, shooting up. Yeah, I mean, I I learned that pretty thoroughly in uh, <laughs> in the PC game, Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego, when oh, yeah. you had to navigate uh, the Sargasso Sea. Um, <laughs> those currents, those currents were wild brutal brutal i handled it though came out on top well you're you're here to talk about it so it's good uh i think there was some whitewashing in that in that pc game if i remember correctly but you know what (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna go ahead you know it was the 90s it was the 90s Mm -hmm. hopefully hopefully current pc games are a little more diverse yeah i'd imagine you learned a little bit about currents from uh or had some encounters guiding too. With currents? With currents, a little bit, once or twice, maybe. Yeah, you know, there's there's some there's currents. I mean, the nice thing about a river guiding on a river is that like it's generally taking you down river, <laughs> so <laughs> you can kind of be doing uh, a lot of things wrong, but it's kind of taking you in the direction you want to go, even when you're royally fucking up, right? You got to think about your the position of the boat. Right, of course. Parallel, etc. But you know, at the end of the day, you're going down. It's not like the ocean. No, right. 
you're not gonna like get lost. There's no, there's no radar. Right. There's no radar. There's no radar. You're, you're also not gonna, gonna get gonna, like pinned under. There's your, no pirate. Yeah, also. no pirate. <laughs> <laughs> not every river. We haven't. Uh, most Montana rivers are uh, free of, of piracy. Um, that I know of. Yeah, but, just, you as, know, far as, know. as far as I know. As far as I know, as far as far disclaimer, do yeah. not take pirate facts from this podcast. Thank you. No. Um, we are not responsible for you getting kidnapped by pirates and not knowing what to do. I can't. I can't state that if you're, clear. If clear your ship, if your ship, boat, raft, etc., is overrun by pirates, it's not on us. Yeah, don't don't tap us for information here. Okay, Dan, why don't you uh, why don't you leave us with a fast tip? Um, you know, whether it be about Eurocream or about piracy or uh, you know shipping lanes or striper fishing. Tell tell us tell us a tip. Give us a tip. Well, I'd say when you're buying Eurocream, always buy the largest one because even if you don't eat it, the entertainment value is there. You know, and you can just give it to someone and it always feels really good gifting, you know, and making other people's lives better. So like, why should mm-hmm. you be the only person? Yeah. And then I think mm-hmm. we've also just the common theme too, is just been like, listen to other people. Like, like without oh, any, now knowledge, it's a bunch of just trial and error. And that's takes a long time. So you gotta learn from other people's mistakes. Right. Don't yeah. Listen to, uh, listen to knowledgeable people. Yeah. For sure. About your mm-hmm. All right, pro um, get a six pack of Eurocrem on Amazon for $61. I will say if we were to title this podcast episode, it would be Eurocrem. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'd say so. Editors take note. Daniel, it was so nice to talk to you. You have taught Dan, us so much. So much. Dan, I can't even believe the the maze that we've traversed with you into your uh, consciousness. It's just been really, truly a a treat and a gem. And we really appreciate you hanging out in uh, one of the bedrooms in this house. Um, You know, the one without the heat to, to speak to us. Thanks for being our first victim. Yeah. I think I think it went well. I think it started out like as a little slow because we were all like, "I'm feeling awkward." Yeah. All right, I'm Dan. going to find another location. Well, adios. I'll let you too. Goodbye, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us. It was such a treat to have you. Thanks for subjecting me to the, the bedroom without heat. Appreciate it. Yeah, you you did a beautiful job. Daniel was great. He had a lot of knowledge. This is why I'm very excited about this. There's just so much that we don't give people credit for that they have to teach us that we don't, we don't even realize. It's right. Great. So I really like, I really like talking about fishing, but what I find like the meat is, you know, once we kind of like move past the fish stories and into like the, what the fuck is Euro cream stories? Totally and completely agree. But that's why, that's why I'm happy to be a part of this because I'm, I mean, that's the whole idea. I'm just sick of the, so we saw this fish and it was incredible that's awesome and i hope there's stories like that as well that we get to talk about but there's just so much more you know there's so much more that i enjoy in a day of fishing just getting Mm -hmm. to know someone learning something from someone that is totally random i love that i Mm -hmm. love that that i mean yeah what's your favorite type of chip you know like that is something that you'll find out on a float once you've 
brought 15 bags of chips. Absolutely. Well, um, now that we've uh, we've talked about our favorite chips, we've had our, our enlightened and uh, knowledgeable guest, I think uh, I think that might be up it for us for uh, this week. All yeah. right. Yeah. Signing off from the couch. Signing off from the closet. All See right. See you later. Bye.